and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for twelve years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak, because she thought, if I just touch his clothes, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. At once Jesus realized that power had gone out from him. He turned around in the crowd and asked, Who touched my clothes? You see the people crowding against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, Who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, and trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Just so that doesn't squeal at us, I had to put the microphone over there. Isn't this, isn't this an interesting text? The woman came to Jesus to be healed. Now, there's several things about this. You know, he, he just touches the high points of these things. The writer does. He doesn't go into all the details, but we can see a lot of things behind the scene itself. Things that we know for surety took place in this whole sequence of events, yet it's not actually written out for us. But we know it happened. For one thing, we know that the woman was very ill. She'd been bleeding for 12 years. She'd been suffering for 12 years. She'd been visiting doctors for 12 years. She'd spent ever, ever since she had. And she still was not relieved of her, of her physical ailment. She was afraid of what she was doing. She heard about Jesus. She heard that he was in the area. She came by herself. No one brought her. This is interesting to me because most of the time when people came to Jesus, they were brought by caretakers. The blind were led by caretakers. The deaf were led by caretakers. The lame by caretakers. People brought them to Jesus. This woman came of her own accord. She was timid, but bold enough to move through the crowd and reach out and touch his garment. One text says the hem of his garment as he passed by. And she had enough faith to know that this man called Jesus could make her whole. He knew, she knew he could do it. And when Jesus confronted her later and said, Who has touched me? And she came forward and said, She told the truth. She confessed. She felt bad that she had done this, apparently. And she felt as if maybe she shouldn't have, but she did. And when Jesus said, who confronted me, she came forward and, and it said she told the truth. And she was rewarded for her efforts. Jesus said, your faith has made you whole because she believed that he could do it. Now, when we look at all of these examples of healing in the New Testament, people gaining their sight, regaining their sight, People getting a sight that never had it before. People hearing that had never heard a child's cry or a child's laughter or never heard a bird sing or, or never heard the parent's voice or never, never heard anything could now hear. So all these examples we have of healing in the New Testament 
were actually not for the purpose of just healing people. They were there for a broader, more majestic sweep of a picture. That is to show us that something that is more important to us, something that is more significant for us, can be healed, can be taken care of. Now that was the purpose of the miracles. It was to confirm the word, show that these men who were performing the miracles along with Jesus were from God, and to confirm what they were saying. And when we talk about, when we think about the healing that went on and the recovery of the different ones who had physical problems, we're amazed. We're amazed at, at, the, at the sweep of what Jesus could do, even raising people from the dead. Even making people walk who had never before walked in their life spring up and prance around. I, that stuns me. That a person who's never walked in his life could immediately get up and walk. Well, even a baby can't walk when, when it's first born. But Jesus made the lame who had never walked before in their life, didn't even know how. Get up and walk. Well, all of these things are impressive. But what's most impressive is he's depicting a journey when he talks about those who are sick and those who are being healed. He's depicting a journey that every one of us have through this life of getting something healed that is broken in us. Something's broken. Now, let me see if I can get a picture up. Here we go. Can you see this guy? He's missing some parts. He's broken. He's not whole. He's not a whole person. Now, when we, when we look at all the illustrations of people that are broken physically in the New Testament and that Jesus repairs, we have to think about the fact that there's something in us, if these are just pictures for us, of something more emphatic, something more magnificent, something more important, then he's talking about something that's broken in us that's beyond the physical. We know that there's two parts of the human being, don't we? We all know that. We don't have to argue that point. We exist apart from our body. You know that. I know that. Everyone knows that. A lot of people try to deny that, but it's a fact that the body and the soul are two different entities. That the soul inhabits the body. Paul talked about the body as being the tabernacle. He said this is the tabernacle that I must put off. That's what Jesus said too. He said, destroy this temple in three days. I'll raise it again. I'll build it again. He's talking about his body. And so we have a body that endures difficulties at times. And we all do. We have physical problems. Some of them are more apparent than others. But all of us have spiritual problems. That is, our souls are missing parts because they're damaged. We have parts in us that need to be healed. Jesus came to heal, to seek and to save that which was lost. Something is lost out of you as you grow older and you get involved in different things and different 
activities in your life, you lose parts of yourself. You do. It disappears. And you cannot get it back by yourself. And you can seek many physicians if you want, if you please. You can go wherever you can roam the world and see if you can't find the missing parts in your soul. And yet you're not going to find them. You can't find anyone who can put you back together again. Who can make you whole. You just can't find that apart from, you know who I'm talking about, apart from Jesus. The, uh, the journey of the, of the invalid, the journey of the person who's sick, depicts the journey of the sinner who knows they're sick, suffering, and missing parts, having difficulties, trying to get well, and who finally realize that it can't be done without help. And it has to be helped from above. Sometimes this is a lifelong journey. Other times it occurs early in life. But the ultimate answer to reconstructing a shattered life is through faith. Paul wrote that those who have their lives restored are those who live by faith and not by sight. Now I'm, I'm going to tell you some things. And you know this just as, just as sure as I know it as we go along. I'm going to tell you some things. Things get damaged in your life. You're damaged in your soul. Things are torn out of you, ripped from you by circumstances, by social activities, by surroundings. Things get ripped out of your soul. You're missing parts. And you can spend all your money seeking somebody to restore that and be like this woman. You can spend it all and still be bleeding at the end. You won't get it. She knew that. The healing of a broken life begins with hearing about the one who has the ability to put us back together again. To restore that part. It has to begin. No wonder we preach the gospel. No wonder we go to the far reaches of this world preaching the word. No wonder we print as many Bibles as we can because the, the healing process, the putting the man back together again, the woman back together again, the child back together again, is invested in the one who can do it, and that's Jesus of Nazareth. The just shall live by faith. Back up to it, verse 4 says. That's what this woman learned. She learned that there wasn't anybody that could help us help her. Twelve years, all of her money, still bleeding. So, But she heard about someone, and my friend, he touched her. She touched him. And she was healed. Now in order for you to be healed and put back together again, you need to touch Jesus. And He needs to touch you. It all begins with faith. If we don't believe that we're missing parts, we're not going to reach out and be healed. And we're just going to get worse and worse. And the hole is going to get bigger and bigger. And there's going to be more and more of a big vacant spot in our lives in our souls a person can live all their life and be frightfully sick in their soul and not know it because no one has mentioned to them that they are sick 
People can die of cancer and never know they had it. person can find out they had cancer and three weeks later, two weeks later, ten days later, they're gone. They never knew a silent killer. There are people who are dying. We are, if we're separated from God. There are things missing in our lives that are killing us. And until we know that we are missing, I'm not talking about knowing that we're sick. I'm talking about knowing that we're missing parts of our being. We've damaged ourselves. Something's gone. And we need it restored. Everyone that sees the Son and believes on Him can have everlasting life. Now, I, I want to emphasize the fact that there's something more important than our physical being and our physical well-being. We know that. We all know that. Physically hampered and disabled people on this earth do not make the problems that this world is undergoing. That's not the problem. People that are physically sick, that's not the problem. Oh, it's nice to be well, and it's nice to be happy, and nice to be feeling good, and nice to get stronger, and nice to get well, and nice to get over a disease. That's wonderful. But the time is coming when death is going to cast its shadow upon all of us, and it's all over, and it's all gone, and we're going to have to stand before God and give an account of what we've done. Now, some people say, no, you can do what you want to. You'll never have to give an account. That's course not what the Bible teaches and that's not what reason tells you most comforting thought to us is that a shattered life with missing parts can be put together again healed and strengthened by touching Jesus and you begin this process we begin this process by believing that there is a God if you don't believe there's a God you're not going to seek any help for your soul. You're going to be a broken person. You're going to be missing parts. You're going to go through life that way. You just That's the way you're going to be. You're not going to be the person you could be. You're going to be missing the, the vital parts that make you a better person. You're going to be, you're be, you're going to be the kind of individual that just walks through, the, through this life without any care or concern for anybody else and it doesn't make any difference what kind of character you are. You're still going to end up with everybody else in the in the grave. Dead. We have to acknowledge to ourselves before before we can replace the parts that are gone, and I'll tell you what parts they are after a while. We have to acknowledge ourselves that God revealed in the Bible is the only true and living God of heaven and earth. God said, I am that I am. That's what he told Moses. I am that I am. There is a God. You don't believe it? then you're going to go about your merry way and it's, it's not going to make any difference one way or the other. If a person does not believe in God, they don't care what's going on in their life or what's going on in your life or anybody else's life. They don't believe in God. Moses at the burning bush recognized that. And through the testimony of the prophets throughout the Old Testament and the apostles and the prophets in the New Testament, we know that he has, he has revealed Himself. He's revealed His will and He's shown us how we can replace the parts that we don't have that are damaged, that are missing in our lives. Now, we know that Jesus is the great physician. But Jesus said this. He said that we're not to fear Him that is able to destroy the body and not able to destroy the soul. Now that's hard to think about, isn't it? 
It's easier to think about having a pain in your leg than it is to think about having a pain in your heart hurting you emotionally. Sure it is. It's easier to think about using a cane to walk around than it is to think about being propped up so that you can face tomorrow, just face tomorrow, get out of bed. Because you're missing some things. There's parts in your life that are gone and you don't know how to get them back. The uh, kings, all the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put a fellow back together again. Humpty Dumpty sat on the wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. He's represented as an egg. Egg broke. Nobody can put him back together again. Now that's not the way our Lord is, but let's just think about that a minute. You can't find someone on this earth. You can't find anybody on this earth that can put you back together again. Aside from Jesus. Apart from Jesus. When you lose parts, you've lost them. And there's only one that can put them back together for you. You can you can chase you can chase your tail all over this universe, and you cannot find someone. You cannot find the physician that can put the pieces back, except for Jesus. He's the one that puts the pieces back. He reaches out to a shattered and broken humanity and calls us to come to Him for healing. He says, "Come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden." He's not talking about whether or not you're dragging the leg. He's not talking about whether or not you're pulling someone along with you that can't walk. He's talking about, come unto me because you're broken. You're missing parts. You're hurting. Come to me and I'll heal you. Come unto me, ye that are laboring heavy laden, and I will carry your burdens for you. He's the only doctor that's still left that makes house calls. And he sent all the apostles and prophets and preachers and teachers of the gospel out making house calls. To do what? To make you better. To put you back together again. He's the doctor who accepts new patients. You know, not long ago, I lost a doctor. He got too old. He quit. Then I lost another one because he got burned out. Then I was told... The doctor I wanted to go to said, I'm not accepting new patients. Finally, they said, well, we'll find one for you. You know, Jesus accepts new patients. He does. He won't turn you away. And He welcomes you regardless of the state of your brokenness. He'll take you in. He came to seek and to save that which is lost, the damaged. He sent His apostles into the world looking for new patients. Seeking the sick and the dying, the, the uh, shattered, the brokenhearted, the disillusioned. He said, come unto me. Then he told the apostles, go into all the world and preach the gospel of every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. What was he talking about? He's talking about making us whole. That's what he's talking about. He's not talking about he, curing my toothache. He's not talking about making me stronger after an operation. He's talking about making me well. Making me well. Not my body, not the tent that I'm in. Not the tabernacle I'm walking around in. He's talking about making me. Me whole. Because I'm damaged. I'm damaged inside. I've done things I shouldn't have done. I've lost things I shouldn't have lost. 
I've become disillusioned with things I should not have been disillusioned with. I've gone in paths, taken paths I shouldn't have taken. I, I've, I've damaged my psyche. I've damaged everything about me. And, and now, how do I get back? And how do I get it back together again? Paul said, well, you start off by starting all over again. And of course, he gives us that opportunity. When Jesus tells us that He will, if we're baptized, He will send His Spirit into our hearts. What's He talking about? He's sending His healing into a broken heart, into a broken individual. He's sending His Spirit, His rejuvenating, His vitalizing Spirit into us to reconstruct us. That's what He's doing. Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit comes into our hearts comes into our lives and begins the mending process. Begins making us alive again. Taking care of us. We believe that Jesus has the touch of healing. The Holy Spirit enters our heart by the living Word. We accept that Word and we allow Jesus to begin reconstruction. Putting the parts back together again. We also know we can't do it alone. Now, I know that people seek all over the country and they go through books and they go through meetings and they go through, they go through uh, gatherings and they go through conferences trying to find someone that will help them feel better about themselves. Self-improvement. Why? Because people know that something is broken. They want to be better. We want to be better. Better what? I want to be a better person. I just want to be a better I want people to like me. Don't you? Sure you do. You say, no, I don't care if anybody likes me or not. You're broken. You're busted up. Something's missing in you. Jesus is the only person on earth who has the power that can actually put us back into a state of wholeness. I can be made whole. She touched Jesus. And you know what happened? She made whole. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. Touch me, and you'll be the same person you were before you, before you touched me. I can touch you, and you'll still be the same person. People come along and say, Bill, tell me what I need to do in order to better myself this way and that way. And I, well, I can do the best I can. But you know what? Until Jesus reaches out and touches you, you reach out and touch Him. You won't get any better. You won't feel any better. You won't act any better. That's the way it is. Because He's the great physician. He's the only one that can put you back together again. He's the only one. Let's just, let's just take a few illustrations. I feel so worthless, don't you? I feel like I have nothing to offer God. Nothing to offer anyone, really. I don't have any value. If I if I thought I had a lot of value, I could probably be an egotist, egoist. You know, I could think maybe I, I could be a self-important individual and think that everybody loves me and everybody admires me and everybody thinks I'm the greatest. I could think I could think that, but deep down I know better than that. I know I'm not. I'm nothing. I'm nothing. And sometimes my self-worth gets so low that I could play handball on a curb. I'm I'm so little. I'm little in everybody's sight, and I'm, so, I'm sure I'm little in God's sight. 
What is man that you ought to be mindful of him? The psalmist asked. What is man? What, what are we? And so we, we think, who cares? Nobody's going to choose me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody thinks anything of me. Nobody, nobody uh, I, I don't have any worth. I, I just don't feel like I'm worth anything. And you know, Jesus is the one who can make me feel like a total person. He can look at me and he can accept me with all of my flaws and all of my faults. And he can promise to make me into a person of value to him and to others. Yes, and to others. Make you valuable, not only to him, but make other people like you. You know that? Make other people want to be around you. He does that. Jesus does that because He changes you. When He speaks of His people, when He talks about His people, He talks about them as a new people that have been redeemed. A people that are without spot or wrinkle and without blemish. He's talking about His church because He's made these people, He's remade these people, and He's given them a feeling of self-worth. Now, He didn't give us a feeling of grandeur the feeling of, of uh, supremacy or superiority, He gives us a feeling when He comes to us and we let His Word in. He makes us feel like we are worth something. We're worth something. We're worth something to Him. And so He raises our self-worth. We are missing that. He teaches us that it's better to give than it is to receive. He, he helps me become unselfish. I'm talking about what God does to a broken person. Broken people are selfish people. They just don't they don't care about others. They don't care that much about it. Broken people are people that are only out for themselves. They only care about what, what's going to happen to them, not what's going to happen to you, not what's going to happen to anybody else, but what's going to happen to them. Now I'm going to tell you something. There's only one individual ever that is able to turn a selfish person into a selfless person. There's only one person that can do that. Only one. And if anybody else helps, it's because they're teaching the gospel. But Jesus is the one that will make you a selfless individual. And you're so I don't like being around selfish people, do you? They just it's all for me and none for you. Give me the lion's share. Make sure I get mine. I don't care whether you get yours or not. Selfishness is brokenness. And Jesus is the one, not me, not you. I can't do it. Jesus is the one that will touch me and turn me from a selfish person into one that is generous and kind and good. He will. Now you tell me if anybody else can do that. You tell me if any self-motivating group can do that. He strengthens my resolve to improve me morally. My morals get bent and twisted and turned around. I don't know what's right and what's wrong. And yet Jesus will improve me morally. He'll, he'll make me want to be above the slime and the sludge and the filth of this world and want, want me to improve myself morally. And want, He'll make me want to seek out that which is right and that which is wrong and appeal to that which is right and that, instead of that which is wrong. To live above the evil and the degenerate society that drags us into a moral abyss. Jesus will strengthen me 
and say, here, you, you can get up here on a higher plane. <laughs> I don't know who else can do that for us. I don't know. The Republicans, Democrats, conservative, liberal. I, these, 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 are not the, these are not the implements of morality. The implement of morality is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It raises us up, and Jesus is the one that elevates us above the moral slime that has destroyed this world. He helps me change my bad habits. I'm broken. got bad habits. I, I, I say bad things. I think bad thoughts. I say things that will hurt you. I, I say things that uh, demean you. I whisper behind your back. I let it be known that you probably are not very high in my estimation of individuals. I hurt you. And I, I don't know why I do that. I don't know why I do that. Jesus will stop that. Now, if, if anybody can stop bad language and gossip and slander, it's Jesus. It doesn't, it doesn't stop anywhere else. He, uh, he will help me say things that will edify and will not lower the intellect of the morals of the people that I'm around. I live with others socially without degrading them. In order to elevate myself, no. It helps me keep from making offensive and humiliating remarks under any circumstance. Jesus is the one that helps me control my tongue. Because I've got that part in me that's broken. How do I get that fixed? I've been saying anything I want to say all my life. Right? I've smashed my thumb, I'm going I'm to cuss a blue streak. I stub my toe. Something irritates me. I can just fill the air with profanity. I can say all those words that it doesn't take much of a mind to figure out. It doesn't take much of an intellect to say them. I can do all those things. How do I stop that? How does Jesus stop that in our society? He stops it by helping the person fix themselves and making them whole, taking that away. He redirects my priorities and balances my perspectives on life. He raises my awareness of just how short life is. That's what he told me. How short was his life? His public life was three and a half years. He died when he was 33 and a half years old. He left this earth. He lives forever because he is the Son of God. But how brief is life? I've lived eight decades. You know how long that was? You know how long I, I, I see that? I look back over 80 years. You know how that long was for me? It was like the mist that appears in the morning is gone. It's like the song of a bird. It's not there anymore. It's gone. The brevity of life. Who, who can tell me about the brevity of life? Well, Jesus tells me. He heals my short-sightedness. In other words, He helps me see further. I don't have myopia anymore. He opens my ears so I can hear His voice. That I can hear the voice of others. That I can listen to you. That I can have patience. He's a great healer. 
He instills within me a sense of optimism that I know that even though things are bad now, it will get better. Now you tell me who else can do that for you. He tells me not to be concerned about what I have now. Don't be concerned about what I'm wearing, what I'm eating, where I'm living. He says, because I'll take care of these things just like I take care of the birds of the air and the flowers of the field. Seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and all these and all his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. So he, he gives me optimism. I'm telling you right now that when we're talking about this point of optimism and hope, hope is a, a word that's found all through the New Testament. He is our hope. Hope of eternal life. He is the hope is the anchor of our soul. When we're talking about optimism, we're talking about something that is pervasively missing in our society and in the world. Hope is not there. Optimism is not there. Things are getting worse and worse. That's pessimism. I shouldn't get up in the morning. I should stay in bed all day. During this pandemic, I suppose, most of you know, that the rate of suicide spiraled upward. People kill themselves. Why? No hope. No optimism. Why get up? Things are not going to get any better. There's not going to be any improvement. It's all going to, it's all going to pot. Everything's going away. Things will not get better. Yet, my friend, God tells us, instead of placing our emphasis on the here and now, He tells us that there is a bright future for ourselves and for all who follow Him, not, maybe not necessarily now, but after a while, it will get better. When we lose the most valuable thing that we think we possess, God says, I'll give it back. Don't worry. You get it back. You know that? I'll give it back. You can have it. He assures me that my troubles and difficulties are short-lived. They will pass with time. But the things of value in my life will endure. He says to me, don't worry. Now, I talked about Humpty Dumpty a minute ago, and I want to mention him again. Because all the king's horses and all the king's men could not put Humpty Dumpty back together again. But Jesus can. Now, just imagine, I've watched people cook at times, and uh, personally and sometimes on shows and TV and so forth. I've seen guys take, and women and men, take an egg, cook breakfast, crush it in their hand and put it in the skillet. And I've wondered, well, how much of the, how much of the peeling did they get in there? You know, are people going to eat the egg shell too? But generally, they, they crush the egg and let it in, and it, it, it's supposed to not have any shell in it too. But just imagine this. Your life is a shambles. You're missing parts and pieces. Think about the egg in this sense. That God can put that egg back together again. Jesus can put that egg back together again and put the yolk back in it and everything else. And so form it and mold it that you can't even see a crack. Now that's what He can do to your life. 
That's what he could do to the egg. He can make you a whole person. He can make you an optimistic person. He can make you a self-assured person. He can make you a person that's unselfish and caring about others. He can make you a person who can control your language. He can make you a decent, moral person. He can fill all of those parts that are so missing in your life, put them back together again. He can put you back together again. And you know how He does that? He does it when you touch Him. Touch Him. How do I touch Him? Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. Listen to Him. Listen to His voice. Let Him reach out and touch you. Let Him put His Spirit in your heart and start healing the part of you that is unseen. The you instead of your body. Let Him start that way. Let Jesus touch you and put you back together again. There'll be no cracks. There'll be no places that anybody can see that you're ever damaged. That's what He can do for you. And today is the day to start that. Let Him do it. Read the Word. Practice the Word. Open the Word. Let the Spirit come into your heart and heal your heart. Get better. Get optimistic. Let Him do that for you. Give yourself to Him.